Hello and welcome to the season finale of the Extreme Similar podcast. I'm Alexander Sternberg and with me as ever is Dom Loach. How you been, Dom? I am amazing, Sterny. How are you doing? I'm very good and uh, this is the film... We, we, we couldn't end on snuff. We, we just couldn't. That couldn't be the last episode. No, snuff could not have been the last thing we talked about because that was... That was something else. It had to be something we actually adore and needed to talk about. Not only adore, but we both share a similar hot take on this in that this is, um, our film today is Lords of Chaos, the biopic about the band Mayhem. And we both think this is underrated in the literal sense, as in people don't rate this high enough. So we're going to be mounting a pretty staunch defense of this movie today. Oh yeah, massively. Like, so underrated on a stupid level like i could not stop thinking about this movie for a while and it like obviously it's in a subject we have a lot of um like views on it's a music that we acquired at me a lot more than you like but it's um it's very underrated like and we're gonna talk about why basically and how it really should be more rated. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the the reaction to this film was absolutely bloody insane. We'll get more into the reaction, like, later on. But critically, it was fairly middling reviews. There were a few good reviews, but mainly sort of, you know, it's a fine film. Yeah. Um, fans of Mayhem fucking hated it for dumb reasons, which we'll get into. Um one of the people depicted in this film really hated it for even stupider reasons, which we will get. <laughs> we'll do a long <laughs> section on Varg in this, because well, yeah. if you don't know about the story behind the band Mayhem, it's like the craziest thing to ever happen in music ever. Yeah, so we don't usually go through like events in films and stuff, but I feel like with this, we're just going to have to talk about certain things like throughout it, because it's this is this is a biopic. This shit really happened. <laughs> this is insane. Like, like I mean, the film starts with uh, based on truth and lies and what really happened. And uh, some have questioned historical accuracy of the film. And there are obviously certain things in this that probably are in there because it's a movie and you've got to hit hit certain dramatic beats. Yeah, exactly. And, but realistically, like the main few things in this film, the really big moments, all. All actually happened, and I remember when we went into this, you were like, because you knew a lot more about this than I did, you were like, I don't even know what they're going to go up to in the story of Mayhem. Are are they just going to leave it at dead lead singer, or are they going to go up to the most famous thing to ever happen in, you know, in black metal, where the bassist of the band killed the guitarist? Well, yeah, that was it. I didn't know if the, it was going to be like Dead Story, which it did seem like it was going to be for a while, or if it was going to be like all of Euronymous's life, which is what it turned out to be. Like, with, it ends with Euronymous getting killed by Varg. But, like, it's, it's, it's an amazing uh, depiction and deconstruction of the whole scene, the whole mayhem lore. And I think um, the primary reason it's so interesting intellectually and it's so thematically on point is the director, Jonas Ackerland, who, like, the top review on Letterboxd for a while said this film did not care about black metal. 
the dude who directed this was the drummer in Bathory for a bit. Yeah. Like, he cared. It was him. This, he's, he was in the scene. This is probably a very accurate depiction of these band members, and people didn't like seeing that. Well, that's the thing. I will be rebuking this heavily later, like, going through the history and stuff, because I know quite a bit about blackmail. This guy was in basically the fourth fathers. Like, Mayhem were technically second wave. Bathory, first wave. Like, like this guy knew fucking black metal. Like, I mean, I had, a, I had a listen to the first Bathory EP before doing this, and I was just like, this is nuts. Like, this is, this is too much for me. Like, this is absolute crazy music. And for 1984, like, he was the drummer in such a forefront band and then left the band to direct music videos. He directed stuff for Madonna, for U2, Smashing Pumpkins, Blink, Rammstein. Like, he's not a nobody. And he really brought that style from the music videos into this film because uh, just before we get into the writing and anything like that, the film looks gorgeous. Oh my God, yeah. Like, it looks incredible. It has that beautiful, like, gritty sense to it as well in the scenes that need to feel like that. Like Absolutely. And the, the church burning scenes. I mean, oh my God. Some of those shots it, are unreal. I- it has the grit, but it has the style as well, and the lighting is amazing, and I couldn't find any details somehow about what format the film was shot in, but it, I'm, it looks like film. It looks like possibly even 16 that's yeah. been blown up. Like, it looks gorgeous, and um, I think a perfect way, a uh, bit of the directing for me is when you see that first live Mayhem show where Dead's cutting himself, and the live show is like... It's the myth of mayhem. It's This is the most evil, fucked up band in the world. It's all that. It's shot, the lighting, the strobe, the editing. And then it cuts to them afterward. And he's, you know, the lead singer of this band cut himself on stage deliberately. He was not in good shape afterward. And then it shows it in a really gritty way that he's sitting while they're getting swarmo. And he looks like he's very seriously injured himself and it's in a very bad way. And that, like, edit is so good, but it also shows the the way Akalan can do both the, you know, fun biopic and the grit and the more realistic aspect of it. Yeah. No, that edit you just talked about is one of my two favorite edits of all time that I always talk about. Just because it's... Fucking hell. It's so genius. Like, the way that it goes from, like you said, like, dead just cutting himself on stage. Like, it's brutal and it's horrible, but it's like this. Oh, how cool was this, though? Like, he's throwing pig's head in the audience onto the posers and he's, like, all black metal. And then it just cuts and your is just looking at him and he's so fucked up. Like, he's just like, are you okay? And he's like, no. Like, it's genius. <laughs> it's it's thematically so on point because a big a big idea in this and this is something that the black metal fans the purists and they're probably the worst metal fans out there um just didn't like seeing is one of the major themes in this is the um the contrast between the myth of the band that was created and reality and who these people really were um i mean like what i really like about it is the first five ten minutes of this are it, you know, your biopic. It's like, we had this drummer, he quit. Here's how we found the singer. Um, we cho- Here's the guitar tuning we used. Here's um, fucking, you know, one of our songs, Death Crush or Death whatever Crusher. it's called. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Death Crush. And like, it's 
good and it cut i mean it's fine it's a really good beginning to a film and this came out during the, the biopic mania of you know bohemian rhapsody whatever that motley crew one was called uh, the elton john one but then after that sort of opening 10 15 minutes it becomes a much more uh poignant serious i mean fun but still a much more interesting film about a relationship between Varg and Euronymous and a much more interesting film about sort of toxic masculinity and these sort of overgrown man-children, basically, in a very unflattering, unbiopicy way. Well, yeah, that's exactly the thing, isn't it? And that's, like you said, what pissed a lot of these Mayhem fans off who are just horrific people in their own right who see no irony in any of this shit. Like, like... It's b- because they saw these people as people and, and like, they did horrible, horrific, just the worst things. And were also just, like, man-children, most of them. Like, what is it? The rep- they were lame as hell. Yeah, what is it? Hell. The reporter says about Varg. Like, that's the... <laughs> That's the that stupidest motherfucker. The I've fucking ever... idiot I've ever met in my life, yeah. which is absolutely <laughs> true, as we know from everything Varg has ever said online. Yeah. So you're a Nazi and a paganist and a Christian, like, <laughs> or whatever it is. No, it's a, it's a Nazi paganist Satanist. Satanist. And he goes, Sorry. That's hard for a mere journalist to understand. He's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it's the theming is so on point I, um, with the film, like everything really reinforces what they're trying to say about the whole black metal scene, about mayhem, about Euronymous and Varg as people, is that this is how they viewed masculinity as being, like, evil, essentially, or what they thought of evil, saying the most kind of stupidly over-the-top shit about the church and whatnot, you know, whatever truth there is in what they're saying, they're saying it in in a very theatrical, stupid way, and how that, like, facade just became more and more real and more and more unstoppable. Um, and there's so many good moments with Euronymous and Varg trying to one-up each other, but it's not just like anything you can do or I can do better. It's like you can see the internal dilemma within Euronymous about I invented this whole marketing shtick and now it's taken over my life. And also you can see Varg like properly buying into what is bollocks. Yeah, absolutely. And... um. I remember seeing, like, Loudwire put it in some top 10 cringy rock and metal moments or something, and they put the scene where they're in a cafe, and he's like, you know, I invented black metal, true Norwegian black metal. I think a big joke of the film is that that's a nonsense thing to say. And then Varg's like, and now you betray it. And that's only cringe if you take it completely out of context of the whole film, because it's meant to be cringe. Exactly. It's meant to be these people are cringy fucking people. Like, the the entire point is, these people are cringy. Like, it obviously, it shows its hand so much towards the end with Euronymous. Like, where it's the whole, the um, necklaces weren't real and everything like that. Like, it, it shows you that, like, this was all just a facade of creating this whole, like, strong, masculine, black one, metal thing. Like, one of the small... One of the smartest storytelling decisions in it for me is um, when you get dead suicide. So the first time you see it, you've got the black metal myth of it. Like Hieronymus saw 
him, you know, his friend, lead singer, suicide, and yeah. went to buy fo- um camera and took photos of it and was like, we'll put this on the album cover, uh, we'll, we'll be famous. But then halfway through the film, it cuts back after you see he's got like PTSD from it. It cuts back and he actually bursts into tears when he saw uh dead and you know do we know if that's true who knows but thematically and what the film's trying to say it's so pointed that this myth is is absolutely not only nonsense but it's built on something that was ultimately really destructive for the band members exactly i think that's why we love it so much it's like because people will be like oh maybe that's not true though and i'm like but how much more interesting is it if it is like <laughs> like it, it's so much more interesting and so much more pointed if it did actually break down and stuff instead of just taking a picture and putting it on the front cover. Like, because obviously we know, yes, a picture was taken and it was put on the as the front cover of a Mayhem album. It's it, it's true. And I mean, the, the like, again, a, a thing I'll say is probably didn't happen, but it's good thematically is sort of at the end when he's cutting his hair and whatnot. Like, that would be a very coincidental thing to happen shortly before he's murdered but thematically it works and it's a good image um and i also really like when um you know after he's gotten together with his girlfriend how she's wiping the corpse paint off his face like he's got a place to put this like pent-up energy in that he hasn't been able to and has been sort of actively taken away like another really good moment is when uh he goes back to the like basement of the record shop with her and Varg and he wants to go upstairs with her and Varg's just like no uh take off your clothes and sit down here like you are an object for us and Euronymous just acquiesces because like well he's I can't show myself to be less fucked up than he is can I yeah that's the thing it's like they all had to show that they were the most fucked up it's like that black circle that, that they created and I love how it's um it's not just a mayhem. I know mayhem is intrinsically linked with all of black metal, but it's literally a black metal biopic, basically. What do you got? The dude from Emperor who uh, Faust. killed somebody. Faust, yeah. Faust. Mm. And uh, I like how these things aren't portrayed as good or cool. I think, I think the mayhem fans wanted, yeah, church burnings. How sick! This is the most evil band in the world. And in reality, it might it might start out a bit like that, but then when it gets to the end, you just realize it's sad. Well, that's that's the whole thing, isn't it? And that's what annoyed so many people, where it's like, oh, this is actually kind of sad. It's not this cool myth that we all believed about. Like, I just like the music. I never loved the fucking church burning or anything like that. I just genuinely like... Well, people who actually love Mayhem and... Vargas people are weird. Yeah. I mean, the idea of walking outside your house with a Burzum shirt on just is intrinsically so, like, ooh to That's me. That's the thing. I, um, I've seen so many Burzum shirts in, like, at festivals and stuff, and I'm like, do they know? Or have they just heard Burzum? Like, you can't not know. You can't be so deep into metal that you like Burzum and not know it's a one-man project by a Nazi. They probably find it cool, I think, a lot of... um people like this like look how edgy it all is like when i was researching this faust got put back in emperor after serving a sentence for murder like yeah you know and i can see the kind of oh how 
sick and evil as this, am I right? But it's kind of just a bit lame. Well, Faust... Like, maybe if I was 17, I'd say, oh, look, this, this band has the drummer that killed someone for no reason or because he was gay or thing. whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's because the guy was gay as well, which is even more horrific. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I really like in the film is after the one of the first church burnings with uh, Varga and Euronymous when they're singing Am I Evil? I mean, like, that's how they view themselves. And the next line in that song, which is not in the edit, I don't know if um, it was cut because it was too on the nose, it was cut for pacing issues, or they didn't film it because they weren't thinking <laughs> this, and it's just me reading into it too much. But the next line of that song is, uh, Am I Evil? I, I am man. I am man, yeah. And I'm pretty pretty bloody sure like that's what they're going for in this that's what they think they're meant to do that's where they're putting all their kind of teenage energy because one of the things in the film the kind of contrast between their music and the way they choose to live is that they're all you know it makes a big deal that norway was pretty stable at the time and they're all coming from sort of upper middle class backgrounds like his dad buys him a record shop and whatnot and yet he's building this persona of being this sick, twisted individual. Yeah, exactly. Like it's um, it's a it's an amazing film, right? <laughs> like it's it's hard to get across, like because you'll look up reviews of this, and it'll be a lot of normal film reviewers who know nothing about the subject, and they're either just like, "Oh yeah, this is fine," or you'll see a review from somebody who's too into the subject and is like, "Oh, this is." Too out there. Like, we don't know all this stuff. Like, um, I mean, this was a, a kind of... It's been forgotten. I do hope this is going to be looked back on favorite, favorably. But, like, we saw it. It got pushed to the tiny screen in a very large view. So that's how kind of small it was. And we saw it in an audience of a good few people. And no one was getting it. Because it's really quite funny at points. And there was just no laughter. Uh -oh. And because it was kind of marketed a bit like a horror film. Especially with the poster. I was like, what did these people think they were coming to see? That's the, Nobody left. Which I'm surprised. Everybody did stick it out. And they weren't like talking or being noisy around us or anything. But like, you could just pick up the vibe that nobody really knew what the hell they were watching. Except me and you. Like, <laughs> we, we came out of that sort of loving it and it gets better on rewatch because you realize how intel like it is a very clever film it's very uh intelligent in what it's trying to say how it's trying to portray the scene how it's trying to portray these characters um and it does it very intelligently yeah yeah i think that's like that's such a big thing that this movie is so clever and going into it i didn't expect it to be at all like i thought it was just going to be a straight up tell what happened with mayhem like put them up there yeah because you got a perfectly fine film just doing uh what happened with mayhem no um introspection here you'd, you'd come out with a perfectly all right exactly film. well that's what i thought it was gonna be i thought it was gonna be like that telling of the legend of mayhem like these cool friggin legends of black metal that did crazy shit and stabbed each other and stuff like this but no there's so much more to this movie and it's, it's really kind of depressing because they are all smart people in it. Like, they're all portrayed as, like, not idiots, nothing like that. And they're just going down this this complete rabbit hole that they've created. Like, Euronymous is very sympathetic character in this. And this might be one of the things that's not entirely accurate, but is there to make the movie a movie, is that Euronymous is probably a lot less sympathetic in real yes. life. Yes. Well, yeah. Euronymous was 
a, a horrible person, apparently. Apparently, the only person that wasn't, basically, was dead. But he was just, like... Yeah. He was just, like, morbidly depressed, obviously. Like, he was, like, actually... Yeah. Just very tragic, because... Um, I mean, I don't really like black metal. I like... We'll probably get into, actually, the band, like, at the end of it, but... I like a lot of stuff that is inspired by it, but not the genre itself. But like that first EP, which has Dead and Euronymous on it, amazing record. Yeah. That. Like it's only a few tracks. It's just so, so raw and listenable. I mean, how many times have me and you talked about if Dead and Euronymous had survived, they'd have changed music so much, even more so. There might, Mayhem might be a band I like <laughs> if, if that was the well, case. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, they were the talented ones, cause and we've said this before. I and I, I, you know, I listened to Burzum, assuming I was gonna go like, oh fuck Varg, obviously, but like it's good because everyone likes it. And I just went back to you and was like, it's rubbish. Yeah, I've always told you Burzum's not great as well. Like, yeah. I don't understand it. Well, I do understand it. It's what you said. It's they like to say they like it because it's an edgy thing to say. Like, should we talk about Varg? Like. Uh, I think before Varg, I think just to put in a couple of criticisms, because there's a good way of going into okay, that. Because yeah. um, I, I will give the, the fair thing. One, the supporting performance. The lead performances, which I'll talk about after the criticisms, are really good. But the supporting performances can be pretty awful. Yeah, most of the other band members and like, stuff are not great at all. Dead's pretty good, but like... Oh, Dead's good. Necrobutcher yeah. is briefly in it. Is Rub doesn't believe a single thing he's saying. Some of the people in the Black Circle... Uh, just some of like their parents when they say like dinner's ready or something. <laughs> I'm like, that's the best take you got of the line. Uh, Euronymous's girlfriend, who probably didn't exist, is awful. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, and there is a criticism the black metal purists make, which I think holds some merit, is that the uh, fact they're speaking English. I mean, yeah, it's weird. It's set in Norway. It's a very Norwegian band. They all have the most you know scandinavian names and they're all speaking english which yeah i guess it's not great i mean it's not going to affect my overall rating of the film but fair enough yeah. it is a bit of an americanization of it that's the thing like i guess that have then had to find friggin norwegian actors to play them and stuff and they just couldn't be asked but like and also you'd be find it harder to get a movie in a foreign language made yeah. especially if you're targeting at younger people which i think this this film That's was the thing. and also Sigur Ross did did the score and i only realized it was Sigur Ross today or yesterday when i was watching the credits of this it's perfectly all right like nothing wrong with it but i'd expect more from them i'm sure they really wanted to do a mayhem biopic but it's 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 not up to their quality I'd yeah say. i knew it was Sigur Ross but it's not like it's not massively noticeable, especially for a a mayhem biopic. So like, soundtrack though, soundtrack's rad. Oh well, yeah, soundtrack. All the amazing. early metal bands. Yeah, it's it literally. I mean, a lot of it is set in a metal record store, so you get a lot of <laughs> references to all of them. You metal. can tell. You can tell Ackerland or the set designer, whoever, really cared about what albums are on display because every time they go into the shop, new albums are front and center in the frame. Yes. Oh, I. It's a nice little trivia game. Try and work out what it is. I do love the um, bit where the meat and the pickup like poison or something like that. <laughs> they pull a face at it. Like, <laughs> love that point. Like... <laughs> 
and then but the lead actors are great like rory culkin is so subtle and good as euronymous and you really feel for yes. him and he's building this sort of facade um that you know you you can really see like behind his eyes what is really happening you can there's a lot of cuts back to him which might seem pointless but it's like you can see the reality of who he is you know going less and less and more and more at certain points and one of the things i love in the script is the attention to detail of if they're calling him his real name if they're calling him euronymous if they're calling varg christian or varg or the count or whatnot like it's very meaningful it's very deliberate choices in that yeah definitely i love the you can tell who thinks what about varg by what they call him like that was something i wanted to say but also emery cohen because one thing a lot of fans a lot of fans who hate the film, a lot of like music fans who don't like the film really like is chubby Jewish Varg. Yeah. Because it didn't even occur to me the first time I watched this until I saw Varg's rambling seven part review on this, um, that Emery Cohen is Jewish and Varg is a Nazi. But the more people keep bringing up chubby Jewish Varg, I'm like, it was entirely intentional. Oh. Because also Varg was way more handsome in real life than the way they make the character up to be. They're, they don't like this dude. I mean, one of the most unlikable dudes in all of music ever. Well, and it's great. Exactly. You can tell the film loves Euronymous and hates Varg. So like, and that's coming from somebody who was in Black Bell. So was clearly like, you fucking killed one of our greatest. Like, that's so like, you can just tell that. I mean, Akalan would have presumably known all of these people personally. Oh, absolutely, will have, yeah. yeah. Like, Varg's seven-part rambling review on this, where he starts out by saying, I don't care, and then goes on a weirdly edited seven-part review. I mean, let me just, should we just... Varg, internet troll, the infamous bassist from Mayhem who killed the guitarist, got, gets out of prison after 20 years and becomes an internet troll. It's bizarre. It's the most insane thing. I've I've not seen his review of Lords of Chaos because I refuse to interact with any Varg stuff at all. Oh, it, Varg's channel, like, think of all the awful, terrible white supremacists, etc., etc., who are on YouTube. Varg's channel got taken down. That's how batshit he is. Jesus um, I went Christ. down a rabbit hole of looking at his videos. He clearly has something wrong with him because he doesn't speak. He speaks incomprehensibly. Like, if I want a good laugh, I check his Twitter feed because it's impossible to decipher what he's saying. From what I can gather, he seems to believe that Christianity was a conspiracy by the Jews so that nearly 2,000 years after Christianity was created, Hitler would come to power and then the Allies-Jews could bomb Europe. This I is... mean, I don't... <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> like, that's the... <laughs> Gal it's a, I mean it's more than galaxy brain that I mean that's vag brain right there like, like like he doesn't speak he speaks just incomprehensibly it's hard to tell I mean he's just openly anti-semitic he's openly an awful person he doesn't couch what he says behind dog whistles his twitter is absolute nuts like he tweets all these weird memes that you're like you can't believe this but I think he does but he's clearly yeah. a troll. Like, he clearly knows he's getting a rise out of people. I mean, actual crazy man. And, like, he had 250,000 um, subscribers on his channel before it got down. He was a very known part of sort of the Nazi white supremacist end of YouTube. He wasn't a joke to them. No, exactly. He was 
massively big in that, like saying exactly what they wanted to say. Because he just didn't care. It just, I mean, this man used to fucking burn down churches, for God's sake. Like, which is it's true. something I bet a lot of people will have heard of, even if they know nothing about black metal or these people, because it was very big news at the time. Like the church burnings that were happening all of the Scandinavian countries. It's not a, as like historic churches as well. Like it wasn't a joke. They did some pretty shitty stuff. Oh yeah. Like, like horrifically dangerous, life threatening. Like, oh, well, obviously he fucking killed Geronimus, but like, <laughs> like a bit more than that. But like, like his rambling review, the first criticism he has, which goes on for a while is that he's played by a Jew and he's not Jewish. Um, he then, and it, it's, it was so weirdly edited. I have no idea if anyone will be able to find this anymore. Because um, he like edits like weird classical music interludes in his points, so it goes on forever. Um, he, he had some things about like actually what happened and whatnot, where you know he's a biased source. He says Euronymous's girlfriend didn't exist, and I am I'm, I'm sure that's true. It sounds it, it's you know it, it sounds about right. Um, but he's like, I don't care about the film and we're going on this sort of long tangent about how it's disrespectful to him and black metal in general. And again, this idea of the film having contempt for the genre. It doesn't have contempt for the genre. It's got a lot of literal introspection for how these people were when they were fucking 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Yeah, well, I think it's just somebody who's known all these people and come from this thing himself have an introspection on the like background that he came from like that's why it's so fucking clever like it's true and it it you know there's so much detail in in the way it depicts the scene and the costumes and the sets and the posters like it's it's made with you know i don't want to say love but it's it's made with a real real artistic intent and it's made to really say something about let's be real what might be infamous, but it's a fairly niche bit of, of music. I mean, like, of all the genres of metal, black metal is one, one of the most infamous. It's one of the least actually listened to. Yeah, like, a, a lot of people um, think black metal is a bit of a joke. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I quite love black metal, and uh, but I'm quite third wave, like, new wave black metal. Whereas, uh, like, behemoth and whatnot. Yeah, Behemoth and that kind of stuff. Mayhem are in the, like, weird... The the thing is, Mayhem were, like, the created the cops paint look and all of that stuff and, like, had some incredible songs. But I don't quite listen to them on, like, the daily kind of thing. <laughs> I really admire a lot of those things that took influence off black metal. I know Sonic Youth, um, in some of their really noisy 90s stuff, definitely did. I went to Thurston Moore's record shop in Stoke Newington, like, just before the pandemic, and they had a a photo of Dead Up on the wall and stuff. Yeah. Uh, The Zealand Ardor, which I've really not liked the new stuff. Um, But um, their first album, which is, like, black metal and blues, it's such a, a conceptually interesting piece of music, taking a genre... Um, mostly associated with white supremacy and anti-Christian and putting it to a, you know, uh, a genre of black music that was intensely Christian. I think it's such a conceptually rich idea. Uh, I could really talk a bit about it. I almost wrote an essay on it, but I, I didn't for various reasons. Like it's, 
about you know black radicalism and and whatnot and it's great i like chelsea wolf a lot some of the like folky stuff that's coming out now like chelsea wolf and emma ruth randall and whatnot have definitely some very thematic roots in black metal even if they sound nothing like it i like yeah. all that stuff and then i'd have to talk about bands like myra and alcest and dev heaven and such oh i love like... alcest alcest were great yeah. i saw them at download uh while you were off with lamb of god or something and it was captivating yeah exactly like this it did create an incredible like it's it's almost like this is about the like weird birth of it with like the horrible shit that happened that then now became amazing things like but but you've got to get through the weird mayhem like the weird mayhem area of them just being horrific people (laughs) Like, it's true and you know one thinks and i know mayhem have absolute diehard fans out there and i'm just uh, you know it's too out there and extreme for me so maybe there is stuff i'm i'm not getting i really i appreciate some of the distortion and whatnot in the music and how it sounds and sonically it's very boundary pushing but like if they had just not done all this stupid shit and had focused a lot more on the music. At least this is what this film says. I'm now going out on not really knowing about the actual history and whatnot. So they probably, the film may not have shown how dedicated they were to their art form, but the film kind of shows it as secondary to the image they're putting in. Like there's very little stuff in a recording studio in the film. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I think there's just the one scene, isn't there? There's one scene of Mayhem and one scene of Burzum. And one scene of Burzum, um, yeah. Which is a good, a good because this like Bohemian Rhapsody, that film which I hate, um, yeah, it's average is best, but it's like every other scene, it's hey, we're in the re- recording studio and I've got a great idea for a song. Stamp your feet twice and clap, and it's like oh my god, you've genius, and it happens like ten times in that film. They never go, I've got a guitar riff. Here you go. They briefly go, and I tuned my guitar like this, and then they play a song in the first five minutes just to get yeah. all the biopic beats out. It's a really good way of doing it and making a much more engaging film. All I'm going to say is Freezing Moon is a fucking bop, though. I love (laughs) Freezing Moon. (laughs) I think my favorite reaction to this film um, comes from Necrobutcher, uh, who is the bassist in the band Prevarg and uh, accurately in the film to reality. The second Dead dies and they take the photo of Dead, he's like, I'm out. Yeah, and he's nuts. Like I saw it. There's Sam Dunn's documentary. Uh, He catches Necrobutcher backstage, and he's nuts. Like he he is he is also crazy, but he was just the least crazy in Mayhem. Yeah, it's that it's like that where it's like, don't get us wrong, this guy's insane, but like, and he really because this is based off a book. And in the interview, it's co- it's like a GQ thing, like Necrobutcher breaks down. <laughs> okay, it might not have been like breaks down Laws of Chaos, but it was some interview with him and there's 15 minutes on it. Um, and he said when they came to him with the film, if he wanted to be involved, he told them absolutely not because the book um, that it's based on uses that image of dead and he's very against it and consistently refers to him as the photo of my friend uh, suicide correctly. You know, he... He's clearly still very affected by this, as the film shows Euronymous to be when it starts to kind of go back on itself and show how it's all an image and whatnot. Um, but he says, like, I don't care, etc., trying to, you know, all cool and whatnot. And then, But then he's like, I watched it and it was very affecting and it brought a lot of things back to me. And I thought it was very, a very telling um, 
review of it that is someone who just didn't want to care about the film didn't go into any kind of analysis he just said it was affecting and it brought things back to him of what really happened yeah exactly like which i mean could be like the greatest review ever really (laughs) if somebody who was actually there doing all of this and was there is like this is a this brought things back is like insane like it's true. I mean, you, you know, you, it's it's not the same thing, but like you hear of, um, you know, veterans went to see Saving Private Ryan and had to leave because it was triggering, like, you know, and this is also a person who has still got that facade up, clearly. I mean, you see in the Sam doc- documentary where he tries to interview Nick Kovacic and he tells yeah. him, fuck you at one point and I think spits a drink out on him. Like, he's still got this facade up that the film is talking about, but he looks very emotional when talking about the film and the experiences of early mayhem. Yeah. I mean, I remember him just saying it's sad, didn't he? Basically like, yeah, it is. sad. Yeah, it is. Like imagine living through that stuff and still been alive now. Like he had to see two of his friends die and stuff like it. Yeah. And like famously, I mean, I don't want to, like dwell on Varg being evil and whatnot but like famously he smiled when given 21 years in jail which is the longest term in Norwegian prison uh you know he's it's not cool it's just and the film shows him as so lame like that scene with the journalist is one of my favorite scenes ever it's hysterically yeah. funny it's hysterically That's funny like such the like calling card of this film that bit with the journalist where it's just like what a fucking idiot like because yes, like what a fucking idiot. Another great line in it is when Varg's like, "We got to take this to the next level," and Euronymous is like, "The next level is jail." Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's amazing that you like when Faust like tells Euronymous that he killed someone, and he's like shocked and horrified. But then when he's going to see like the Black Circle. Uh, outside the motorhead show he's like you know he did it it's cool like we did it under my instructions and stuff it's it's just it's a very nuanced film it's a very great character study of euronymous and a very good study of varg and euronymous's relationship and a very good film about sort of toxic masculinity that's done in a really sensitive way and a great movie about metal and music and whatnot go watch it (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say I bet a lot of people didn't watch this because they're like, oh, a film about Black Mel. Like, well, I'm not interested in that. I'll not watch this. It It is about that, but it's so much more. It's just a, it's just a good movie. And like, I mean, it's on the Extreme Cinema podcast. I mean, two minutes of it, it's pretty brutal, especially the murder of Euronymous. Uh, two minutes were cut in the US for an R rating, which is considering... While America is super weird about sex, they're very lenient towards violence. So that does tell you something. Like, dead suicide scene, it's horrible to watch. Peter Bradshaw in his Guardian review kind of implies that he found um, the the level of sort of graphic depictions uh, in the film of various incidents. He did kind of imply that it held the movie back for him. And he wrote a pretty pretty positive three-star review of the film. Oh, that's fair enough. I mean, I could see people feeling that way, especially with Dead Suicide. It is fucking brutal, that part. But 
it's it's a fucking mayhem biopic at, so, the, at the end of the, the day thing. i mean it, it had like, to it had to like, be like this like you wouldn't want something toned down i think in the context of a mayhem biopic um i don't find anything in this exploitative um because it's so sensitive and i really think sensitive is the best way of describing the film um it's not oh look how edgy it is it might sort of start out with the style of that but it very quickly turns back on itself it's very quickly um introspective about the film and the scene and the story because i mean it's a kind of worms we probably can't get into and i would have done more research if i was going to talk about it more in depth but like suicide on film is a very difficult subject to broach i mean i never watched it but 13 reasons why was obviously insanely controversial for that reason and they cut that scene I out s- yeah i saw the um the cut before it happened because i'd watched it all and saw it before it was cut out that was brutal that was horrific like it's um it's a very obviously like you said touchy subject and had to kind of know where to depict and what to show but i think i think like i said you're going into a biopic about mayhem you kind of expect it i expect again it's justified and um it's it's not the scene isn't there to be look how dark and evil mayhem is which it, and some of these overgrown children who are still obsessed with black metal <laughs> wanted it to be it just it couldn't be that yeah it's well, a much exactly. better intelligent movie and like i said i think this has largely been forgotten i do not hear about it in any kind of positive positive context uh after the film came out but i think this will be remembered because it's go- it's going to be at least a minor cult film just because it's about mayhem yeah oh yeah i think it will be remembered and like metal people are gonna probably turn around to it and watch it again um quite a few years later on and stuff so it will always have a little cult following at least i think you know i've seen this came out i mean 2016 2017 thereabouts uh might be later maybe 2018 what year did the movie we're talking about coming up this is something i should look into 2018 2018 2018. i've seen it four times since then i don't know if there's a film i've seen that much that only came out you know what three years ago maybe four now because we're coming to the end of this and it came out at the beginning of a year but like i uh yeah i have one film that's it (laughs) it's um it's really good and i i encourage people to watch it and i'm i'm really glad we got round to this uh in the podcast because it's such a it's such an intelligent film a lot of interesting subjects in history really well done and it, it really uh bears a lot more discussion than it had i had thought of doing a video essay so long on my youtube channel for it they never got around to it so this is a good kind of way of doing it <laughs> yeah it really is because it talking about this has to be long form as well because there's just so much history and so much weird introspection and depth to talk about with it and you'd have never thought that like it's absolutely true it's absolutely true and the way themes can be uh more universally uh taken just about masculinity or it can be a very specific deconstruction of a very specific scene and genre of music yeah exactly and it does it well from somebody who actually likes the music as well (laughs) it does it well because at least like I am actually 
not in the scene, but I like the music. I listen to this kind of music and stuff. So I'm not just shitting on black metal <laughs> in like a in, in a in like a way. It it's very clever how it talks about it as a genre and uses these people to talk about it as a genre. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, any more to say? Because I think that kind of covers final thoughts. Yeah, I think we've kind of covered it all. This has been as longest episode. Oh, easily, we knew it. So. <laughs> we, we knew it was gonna be. Um, yes, we did. Yep, that's that's season one of the podcast. Gone. How how did you think it went, Dom? Yeah, it was good. I hope people have enjoyed us talking about some fucked up stuff and some real good stuff and some real shit. Stuff. I hope ev- <laughs> I hope everyone watched at least one film we talked about or we convinced someone to. I know we tricked a bunch of people <laughs> into watching like Necromantic. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, and. And I've told you about all the people at work that have talked about Antichrist since. So. <laughs> What's your, been your favorite episode we've done? I mean, to be honest, this is my favorite episode, but let's say other than this, because I'm going to guess this is yours too. Yeah, I think this. Loved the Possession one. Um, loved the Christiana F one quite a bit as well, actually. That was a, a very different film to the other ones we've been talking about. So is this, in fairness. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that's why I liked it so much as well. I mean, I enjoyed all of Same. them. I think we did quite well. I think like... it took a few episodes to get going, but I loved the Possession one, the, the Devils one, uh, Necromantic. I had a lot of fun with Rikio, because Rikio is Rikio, you know? Yes. To be fair, the Necromantic one of us losing his minds is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching uh, May Letts' Nick Fears on YouTube's like latest video, which is like a tier list of uh, disturbing movies, and she puts Necromantic in the fucking wow category. I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. I love that. But, yeah, uh, that's, that's where I put <laughs> it to. <laughs> yeah, this is the end of season one. We almost made it without any gaps in the schedule. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah my life my life is very fun oh god but i try like, <laughs> like we, we we will we've been like for kind of two weeks like we can't end on snuff we have to do this and we have to work out when we're gonna do it because like it's 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 this has got to be how we end it we've wanted to do this since the start when we first talked about the podcast this was high up on the list um we will do a season yeah. two i don't know when it, we will return You'll be waiting yeah. a couple months. I mean, more than a couple. You'll probably be waiting a few months, but we will do it. We're going to make up a backlog again so we don't end up missing a week like happened this week. Exactly. We've already got it all planned out, so don't worry. We will return, <laughs> and you will see us be again. Be a bit more some, some <laughs> like, of the staples of the genre. I mean, we haven't worked out what exactly we're going to do, but like, you know, audition, Salo, all that stuff. We will we will cover more of that. We'll also pick some more weird and out there ones like this. Um I've heard rumors that this sort of podcast has gained a minor following outside of our group of friends. So if anyone's listening, I mean, thank you to all our friends. You're amazing and awesome. And I've loved talking to you after watching, after the podcast about the podcast we've done. Uh, you guys fucking rock. But like to anyone who doesn't know us in real life, like, thank you. I'm flattered. Yes. Thank you very much. Don't know how you found us idiots, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been it's been really fun. And I, I've liked um, talking about this genre of movies, which normally gets put in sort of a top 10 list and is left and people don't take them seriously. I've loved like diving in depth about them. And I think 
I like talking about the morality of art and I like talking thematically um, what making films this dark and this, you know, messed up, how they can actually benefit as well as detract from the film itself. Yeah, exactly. It's been incredibly fun. And I mean, me and Sterny have always just talked about films like this anyway. So it just made so much sense to just be like, you know what? Let's let other people listen to it too. (laughs) I really wish I thought of this at like March last year when lockdown happened, because I kind of thought about it just as everything was opening up in this country, at least for now, fingers crossed. But um, yeah, there's just, there's so much, so many films out there, which we just talk about at length. Like we must have talked, like Laws of Chaos, especially, I remember walking home from the cinema from that and that's that's like a 30 minute walk and we you know instant wanting to talk about the film instantly. Yeah. I mean if you guys could see the list of films we have God, that we want to talk about long. this podcast. Yeah. This podcast is never going to end <laughs> so <laughs> we will we will keep going. We'll be fucking 50 60 and we'll still be doing this. Yep. But yeah, it's been very fun, and I need to go watch my brother get married. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, so um, thank you all for listening. We will be back. I don't know when. I'll keep you all updated. Uh, take care, everyone. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Extreme Cinema Podcast with Alexander Sternberg and Dom Loach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing, as it really helps us out. The original artwork for the podcast was done by George Arnold. The Extreme Cinema Podcast, available where all good podcasts are available.